Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 131. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction audio podcast magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. In this crazy, wonderful world we live in, there's often a fine line between what is fact and what is fiction. Unless you're a scientist, and then there's a very distinct, definite line, garish and annoying, unmistakable and unavoidable with its nerdy, self-righteous quest to ruin the party and sh** on everyone's parade by getting sh** all over the costumes, floats, and funnel cakes. That is, unless your science is cryptozoology. Cryptozoology is the study of hidden animals, and refers to the search for animals which are considered to be legendary or otherwise non-existent by mainstream biology. This includes looking for living examples of animals which are extinct, such as dinosaurs, and animals whose existence lacks physical support, but which appear in myths, legends, or are reported, such as Bigfoot and El Chupacabra. Most scientists classify cryptozoology as a pseudoscience, and while it's true that papers on the topic are rarely published in scientific journals, no formal education on the subject is available, and no scientists are actually employed to study cryptozoology, it's also true that all those real scientists are just jealous. So, as this week's Drabble News, we bring you part one of an ongoing series. In Search of the Mongolian Deathworm, with Connor Chodesworth. Elgai Kokwai. The Mongolian phrase means intestine worm, because the creature it describes is reported to look like the intestine of a cow. It is a subject of a number of extraordinary claims by Mongolian locals such as the ability of the worm to spew forth sulfuric acid that, on contact, would turn anything it touches yellow. It kills humans, and its purported ability to kill at a distance by means of electric discharge through its anus. This is Nambaran, a local man from the nearby Mongolian village of Tsengao, who says Mongolian deathworms spread acid on his cat. The cat survived, but is now very afraid of worms. All worms. From the small slimy kind to the cute kind that wears bow ties. He says it doesn't matter anymore. Namban says the death worm is very real, and he distinctly remembers an incident that he saw with his own eyes while growing up as a child. I interrupt him. I inquire as to what other form a person might grow up in if not a child. I remind him again of his words, that he very clearly said, while growing up, as a child. That's called a pleonasm, a phrase that repeats itself, like a true fact, or a new innovation. He doesn't understand. I explained to him how baggy his sentences are. The death worm is very real, he says. 
and he distinctly remembers an incident that he saw with his own eyes. All those solecisms and redundant modifiers really encumber the effectiveness of what he's trying to say. I know. I know you want your listeners. Listen, I... Listen. I know you want people to be able to envision what you're talking about, but using so many weak verbs and excessive nouns isn't the way to do it. Now, wouldn't that sentence have been stronger and more concise if you'd said, the death worm is real. I remember seeing an incident when I was a child. He looks at me, puzzled. Clearly, it would seem that if I'm to track a Mongolian death worm, I'm not talking to the right person. Unfortunately, so far it seems our quest has been a disappointing letdown. I'll need an alternative choice, some other anonymous stranger in the local nearby neighborhood if I am to make any new discoveries on the fatal, deadly, lethal, deadly deathworm. That's all for now. Let's do a hundred word story. Our Drabble this week is called Hanging by Doug McIntyre. Doug's a central Texas author of speculative fiction. He's had short fiction published in Six Sentences, The Tiny Globule, The Abacot Journal, The Doonstief Audio Fiction Magazine, The Monsters Next Door, and the NVF Halloween Anthology. When he's not writing, he enjoys riding his motorcycle and spending time with his wife and two children. You can find out more about him and his writing at www.dougmcintyre.com. A single gunshot rang out, clear and crisp above the din, the echo lingering as it brought immediate silence to the cacophony. All voices hushed and eyes turned to the man with the upturned six-shooter, the new sheriff who was flexing his muscles and asserting his authority. It was apparent that this harbinger of law and order was intolerant of our vigilant brand of justice. But it took more than a badge to win our respect, and his next few words would determine if we would accept him, or if there would be two hangings this night instead of one. Our feature story this week is called Storm Comes a Callin' by Jeremiah Tolbert. Jeremiah has been making a go of writing science fiction and fantasy at the professional level since 2001. He's been the co-editor-in-chief of the Fortean Bureau, an online semi-pro magazine of speculative fiction, and he's currently the editor of Escape Pod, a weekly science fiction podcast which I co-host. Whatever, your mom's a conflict of interests. I should also mention that JT is a photographer and shot this week's show art, the picture of the storm, himself. You can find a link to his photography in our show notes. Also helping with the story this week is the voice of Cheyenne Wright, Cheyenne spends most of his days as the colorist for two award-winning comic series, Girl Genius and Buck Godot, Zap Gun for Hire, and his evenings as a freelance artist for such companies as Pinnacle Entertainment, creators, publishers of Deadlands, and Savage Worlds, and the award-winning Cheap-Ass Games. You'll find a link to Cheyenne's kick-ass artwork in our show notes as well. So without further ado, Storm Comes a Callin' by Jeremiah Tolbert.
Storm's coming. Sky's like a sack of rotten cotton overhead, and the air's hot, wet. Tastes like copper. My jaw aches where too slim Jake broke it in 48. Disagreement over a girl, of course. Always hurts with a storm coming always brings back memories heavy as thunderheads. Too Slim's been dead 20 years, shot robbing a liquor store in Chicago. Too many gone that low down way. I ease on out of my chair on the porch, looking for it. The axe leans against my doorframe. worn smooth by hard hands. Blade sharp, though. Daddy always said, never let a storm break an axe get dull. Come to think, this axe was his. Changed the handle, of course. Broke the old one God knows how long ago. It's so heavy in my hands I can barely lift it. Wind's blowing through the bottle tree out yonder like a dying woman's moan. Fool spirits want to play. <laughs> time. I half-drag the axe down the porch steps. Kathunk, kathunk, kathunk. And I shuffle through the dry red dust around back. White linens flapping in the wind, shirt sleeves grasping for hold. Lightning flashes off past the river. One, two, three. Thunder rolls over me like a wave of panic. Storm's got a lot of anger in it. An old Mississippi monster burdened down with God's own tears. I heft the axe. Lighter now and warm in my palms. The old bones creak. I lift it over my head. I stare at the groove in the ground, beaten into the land. Many a storm been broken here. Too many, maybe. Lightning strikes again, then thunder before I even count to one. Only after images left. Just like family. Maddie's gone. Lewis living in Detroit with his daughter. Brother's dead. Sister's dead. I got a cousin living somewhere on the river. <clears throat> the storms are the only company I got anymore. Maybe I won't break this one right away, I'm thinking. I could use a guest, and it's too late. He's walking out of the fields, crows flocking overhead like a swarm of night, raindrops splattering in the dust. Storm Man reaches out with his arms, and lightning dances between his fingers. Suppose you'll be wanting some coffee then, I say, when he's there, breathing static on my face and looking at me with old, bone-colored eyes. That'd be just fine. 
He growls, shaking raindrops from his long overcoat like a wet dog. Times were, he took that form. How's your sister? Dead. She had some legs on her. She... That it is, I say, and shuffle back toward the house. Come on, then. Storm Man drifts behind me, bobbing up and down like a twig in the river while he surveys the place. Been a long time since he's been allowed here. All around, rain's coming down heavy, wind builds up and slants it sideways, tiny rat teeth biting hard. I set the axe down beside my chair, go into the kitchen and put the pot on, pour some of that instant garbage into the paper filter. I step back out. Storm Man sits in Maddie's old chair. I don't have the guts to tell him off, but he sees the look in my eyes and flashes teeth in a grin. Thunder rolls around like balls on a billiard table. What have you been up to all these years? I ask. I know where he's been, but I gotta be polite to him. I get the weather channel. Two Slim's grandson hooked me up the cable. Ooh, bounced around the Caribbean for a while. Got chased off by some Haitian one day. Drifted out to sea and seen the Canary Islands. You ever been to the Canary Islands? Can't say that I have. Not missing much. A blast of light burns my eyes and the porch shakes beneath my calloused feet. The old apple tree behind the shed smokes up like a chimney. Unripe apples fall down everywhere, sounding like hail. Storm Man laughs. <laughs> what you? He nods my way. I half expect another bolt to come crashing down, but it don't yet. I got myself married. We had children. Spend a lot of time going to funerals these days. Storm Man staring out at the river valley. Funnel clouds spin in the sky. I hardly recognize this land. Ain't that the way it goes, I say. Only sound is rain and thunder. Sky is getting dark. I get the coffee, bring him a mug with a chipped handle and pink flowers on the side. Storm Man cups it in his big black hands and breathes in. Fog rolls in off the river. You still play? He asks. Now and then, I say. Hey, if you're gonna flood this valley... Never you mind that. Where's your old guitar? I reach behind the door and pull out the weathered black leather case. The stickers are faded, but I can still see a place name here and there. Memphis. Detroit. London. I take out Luann and offer her to him. He shakes his head. He's reaching down inside that flapping coat and pulling out a silver and red harmonica. I remember this from before. The old days. Early what was coming to you, I do
slapping his knees to the rhythm. I pick along, best I can. Soon the river's lapping at my porch steps. The power goes out with a bang. The only light is in the storm man's eyes, in the flash of his grin. shaking and rolling. The old foundation just can't hold against his song. We float down the river. I ain't been on the river in a decade at least. I've forgotten him, but he hasn't forgotten me. Water up to my knees, storm man's laughing and blowing. <laughs> I keep playing till the song is done. In my house, started Started floating on down the street. Yeah, my house started shaking, but I'm floating on down the street. It was as dark as midnight. People began to howl. You could take my place, would you? He asks. The music is still in the air over thunder and rain and river water. Become a storm. Live forever. For as long as it rains on this here earth. And do what? Rage up and down the valley? Destroy homes? Blow hard and wet? I shake my head. Why would I want that? Because it's better than what comes next for you. Maybe. You ain't got long. I know. A flathead big as me swims by, whiskers tickling my toes. Down to hell everlasting. Or the river, the sea, 
and the great Mississippi River skies. Not much of a choice he gives me, but Stormman don't play by the rules. <laughs> well then, who will be there to stop you? Stormman grins. That's it, right? No more Stormbreakers. Get me on your side and there's nothing to stop you from blowing. Either way, your time is over. The water's up to my neck. I can see the great gulf open up before me through the rain and fog. Been nice having you, I say. But I think I'm gonna pass. He shrugs. Rain settles down for a moment. Maybe next time, then. Maybe. The axe is there when I need it. Never broke a storm before in the shape of a man. It takes two swings. To take me down. Summer now. The grass is green, fields growing tall, and the flies buzz everywhere. I'm waiting, watching the horizon for the rotten cotton clouds. Fall won't be long, never is at my age. Yeah, rain'll come then, and maybe him, maybe another storm. Don't know what I'll decide when he tempts me again, but I'm still here for now. I'm still here. I know it's coming to take me down. So that was our story. Hope you enjoyed. Hit some story feedback from a few weeks ago. Nanook by John Kratman. A father-son Eskimo story with cool sci-fi ideas and a badass polar bear fight scene. Mixed sentiments about this story. Zasha said, Crikey, I totally missed the story in this episode. I did enjoy hearing Norm's voice, but I wasn't listening to the words. Whoops. Rev Sleestack said, The battle and struggle of father and son was well played, as well as the pent-up anger over the loss of the mother. But the story ended up dumping huge amounts of morose on me that, well, took a good portion of my day to scrap off. Still a great story. Sam said, That was cool. I really liked the tribal culture with technology angle, and the end was very moving. Masterfully read, as always. Aw, shucks. Thanks. Join our forums, check out the haps, write a hundred-character story, and see if you can unseat Fiverr, reclaiming her throne as this week's Twitfic winner. Twitter-friend us to read it, and to help us try to take over a social networking program that we really don't understand in the slightest. Guess what, kids? It's that time of the year again. The Super Animal Mega Beast Deathmatch Competition. Some are born, even bred, for the battlefield. Their whole lives dedicated to one unholy purpose. Bloody, gruesome combat. Though many compete, in the end, only one is left standing. Or flying. Or swimming. Or teleporting. Who would win in a hypothetical fight to the death? A giraffe that breathes fire, or a flying grizzly bear with giant bat wings? A solar-powered polar bear, or a panther that spits acid? We argue, you decide. 
the Super Animal Deathmatch Competition 2008. Nine. The most pointless, awesome contest ever. For real. Brought to you by the weirdos at the Drabblecast. Go to www.drabblecast.org and click on Mega Beasts. The Super Animal Mega Beast Deathmatch Competition is a podcast that we run totally separate from the Drabblecast, for good reason, but which many of you might still find entertaining. In it, we, the Drabblecast editors, and a few special guests make up several awesomely enhanced animals. Think giant crab with a chainsaw arm versus a teleporting elephant. We get drunk and argue which would win in an all-out melee. This is our third season, and it gets better every year. The highlight of the whole shebang is undoubtedly the artwork by Drabblecast artist Bo Kyer, who sketches and colors these bad boys out, and you gotta see them to believe just how freaking tight they are. You can find and subscribe to the Super Animal Deathmatch podcast from our main page. At the top, you'll see a link that says Mega Beasts, or you can just do a search for us on iTunes. Whatever. Just posted episode Round One, a video podcast filmed at this year's Dragon Con in Atlanta, where we interviewed celebrities and layfolk alike on which one of these year's Mega Beasts will be the hard hitters. It was a lot of fun. Oh, and word of warning, the Super Animal Deathmatch podcast is pretty vulgar, and that's really an inevitability when you mix alcohol, heated pointless debate, and sophomoric antics. We do bleep out expletives with various barnyard animal sound effects, but the show still has an explicit content warning, so there you go. Well, that's our show. Oh wait, (laughs) not yet. Gotta ask you to donate to us, if you can, via the big buttons on our page, Drabblecast.org, so we can not only keep the show going every week, but also so we can keep trying to make it better and better. And there it is. The Drabblecast is produced under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which means don't change it, don't sell it, don't drown it or hack it apart with an axe. Just share it with your friends. Our staff is made up of co-editors Kendall Marchman, Luke Coddington, and yours truly, Norm Sherman, reminding you to keep that acid-spitting worm far away from your cat. The river, telling us to get rare and go. It was dark and was raining. You could hear that howling wind. It was dark and was raining. Babe, you could hear that howling wind. If I get away this time, I will never come here again. Yeah, my baby was crying. I didn't have a thing to eat. Yeah, I didn't have a thing to eat. Was everything I had down the street I was hollering for mercy And it wore no boats around Yeah, I was hollering for mercy And it wore no boats around Thank you.
people I've got to stay right here and drown When my heart started shaking Started floating on down the stream Hey, my house started shaking when floating on down the stream. It was dark at midnight. People began to holler and scream. 